Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all having a gentle and amazing holiday right now. I know Christmas is right around the corner and things are usually dying down around this time of the year and you're really starting to root into sort of closing out old chapters and experiencing new ones with a lot of love and joy. So I'm grateful that you are tuning in during this amazing time of the year. And boy, are you in for a treat with this week's guest, Mr. Sajid Gupta. So just before I dive into explaining what Sacha does and what makes him amazing and what I love most about this episode, I want to give you guys a caveat. This episode's a little bit different. It is an interview format. It is something that goes back and forth between two individuals. But in the name of creativity, we decided to test a different format, one where we didn't really follow the general structure of the show that we usually do. This episode was giving ourselves the space to play, be present, have fun, lean into discomfort, and have an open mind to see where things are going. So I have a ton of down the rabbit hole conversations with a lot of my friends, and Sachet is one of them. So today I really wanted to give you guys a fly on the wall perspective for what happens when me and uh, my friends go deep down the rabbit hole exploring all sorts of concepts in life. And I think this particular episode, unedited, is going to really show you a new side of creativity, life, and everything in between, and a conversation that you can join into on. So Sachit is a deep-thinking creative genius behind Platforms Media, a company that helps amplify podcasters, authors, and other creatives by creating win-win partnerships with brands. Through this platform, Sachit has worked with top podcasters, including Tim Ferriss of The Tim Ferriss Show, Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy, and tons of other international sports stars and social media influencers. He's also the brand new host of The Conscious Creators Show, where he helps his listeners make a life through their art without selling their souls. And creativity runs through Sachet's blood, and it's something that he is personally really taking a massive stand for at the moment by redefining what a creator is, how he creates, and how he can help people create better. And so I love this episode, one, because again, it doesn't follow the regular format. It isn't really just a one-sided show, uh, and it never really is a one-sided show, but I feel like this episode just felt different. Like we came in, not knowing what we were going to discuss, not knowing where the conversations were going to go, not knowing what the true essence of this episode was going to be, but we allowed that space to create something special. And I think that when we give ourselves the space for things to come up, when we don't try constantly doing and doing and doing and doing and following a framework and just constantly being on go, when we allow ourselves to slow down and experience the magic of what comes when we just root ourselves in presence, I think something amazing happens. And I think that's what happened today. We went down the entire rabbit hole defining creativity and really exploring where inspirational sparks come from. 
how do you get yourself out of a funk when you're trying to create? And how do you create more space for creativity? How do you create in relationships and action and love and business and life? And really how you can continue removing the stories in your life that stop you from being the creative soul that you are. So I, I really appreciated this episode. And in this episode, we also had a lot of listener challenges. So throughout the entire episode, Sachit and myself, we were asking different questions to really spark you to start thinking. So have fun with this one. Like I said, this one was a new format for me, but I particularly enjoyed it. And I hope you guys do too. And if you guys are interested in learning more about Sachit, his podcast and all that, go check out the links in the show notes. But if you haven't already, come join the Stay Grounded Facebook community. We still have the 2020 Vision Challenge live inside of the community. And those are going to be there till December 31st until I move those permanently away from that community into the private mentorship community, which is the Stay Grounded Hero community, which is, if you aren't aware of it already, it is a new initiative that we're rolling out in 2020 to support you as you're working on creating a better life. If you resonated with anything on the podcast, if you resonate with anything I teach, then the Stay Grounded Hero community is the place for you to be. It's going to be a place where you get unprecedented access to Q&A calls with me, to all of the courses we create for Stay Grounded, whether it's the Stay Grounded Philosophy, which is our flagship course that really takes all of the concepts on the podcast and turns it into something actionable for you to leverage and enjoy or it's a community, or it's honestly getting access to any of the guests that we have on the show as they come and create content inside of the community. So if any of that interests you, go to rajana.com forward slash hero to learn more about the Stay Grounded Hero community and how you can kickstart your 2020, this next decade, with an incredible amount of momentum, love, support, and encouragement. So anyways, go check all that out. And guys, I keep saying this on the episodes, but thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this incredible message and an incredible movement to really discover what it means to live a grounded and beautiful life. How do we have it all? How do we move through pain? How do we get the things we want? How do we work hard but stay present? These concepts are near and dear to my heart, and I just want to thank you all for being on this journey with me. So anyways, without further ado, here is my main man, Mr. Sachit Gupta. Enjoy. Yo, yo, welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. You guys are all having a great day. You know, I think I've mentioned this before, but I really, really, really love in-person interviews. And I'm sitting next to my good buddy, Mr. Sachit Gupta. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thank you for having me. I feel like you and I have had many, many, many just behind the scenes, down the rabbit hole conversations about life, love, insecurities, happiness the pursuit of it. One thing that's been interesting for both of us is we've both sort of had this journey over the last, like for me, like almost like 10 years for you, five, six years or more. Uh, so I started Java Press four years ago. And Stay grounded two years ago. I think we're both in this sort of like moment of transition mm. where we're sort of leaving behind who we were yeah, and becoming, and I thought it was who we want to be, but I've actually realized that's false because you have to actually like get rid of that and become who you were always were yeah. to then become who, we, who you were meant to be. So almost we're all on this journey of like becoming who we always were, that uncovering versus discovering thing. Yeah, you're discovering who you always were. So it's like an unbecoming, if you mm -hmm. will. So what's been something for you that like has been like an unbecoming in the last months or years? 
I think what's really interesting is I've been on a few journeys of trying to separate the things I want from the things I thought I wanted. Coming from an Indian background, you probably resonate with this. You know, we were told to go to school, get a job, do a lot of things. And at some point you kind of unlayer and throw away a lot of those beliefs and you start pursuing your own careers and you start becoming your own individual. I thought I had figured all that out until I started truly creating from a place that was abundant, really doubling down on stay grounded, really asking myself bigger questions, harder questions, kind of exploring life with more intensity. It wasn't until I started doing that that I realized that even the initial stages of my company as being an entrepreneur was really driven by a need to either feel approval or look a certain way or have something figured out. And I think that in the last few months, for me, what's been great is, especially the date we're recording this is December 3rd in 2019. So I'm getting ready to get into a new decade, right? So it's been kind of fun. Like, what do I not want to take with me into the new decade? What do I want to leave behind? And that's allowed me to get very honest with myself around my own stories that have driven my success, what's important to me, who's important to me, maybe even letting go of a lot of resentment, whether it's with my past or my, you know, just different people in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really what's been present for me now is kind of choosing what I want to take with me into a new decade and what do I want to leave behind and being able to decipher between what is truly me and what is a belief or a story or an attitude that I borrowed from someone else in my life. That has been on my mind a lot. That's a lot. Um, yeah. I think what you said about beliefs and stories is really interesting. I'll share one that I discovered actually like last week. We both have learned a lot from one of our common friends, Erin, about how like, and it's funny, we read Baby Bathwater and she's talked about that last time where we all have these like lenses to look at the world through, yeah. right? And like they drive everything. I figured out this lens through which I looked at the world last week, which was basically if I ever try and do something, automatically set the goal at 100%. Anything that doesn't hit 100% is a failure, is not good enough. I should remember I called a mentor of mine because I'm working, kind of like doing my own podcast and I was trying to figure out like launch dates and stuff. And he's written a few books and I called him and I'm like, yeah, like how does the New York Times list work? Like, cause you have to like, what goes into it? And he goes, I have no idea. Mm. And I was like, oh, he hasn't even thought of that. Mm. And so I had this experience um, and I don't know if I was drawn to these clients because of that story where an unnamed client, we did a book launch and the book hit number two on the New York Times bestseller list. And that is really great, right? Internally, we're like, holy fuck. Like something's gone wrong. We have to like change the strategy because why didn't we hit number one? So this really interesting story where like anything it did had to be a hundred percent. Otherwise it's not good enough. You know, that's probably something a lot of people struggle with. And I think that's a, something I've realized in that vein. And I just brought on an amazing individual onto the podcast, a guy named Larry Yatch. And mm -hmm. he mentioned this, when you define your self-worth by the value you provide in the world, the hole is never big enough. Like you're constantly pouring into it, pouring into it, pouring into it. Then it sounds like that's kind of the journey that you just realized that you were on, which mm -hmm. was you defined your worth as a human being with the value you provided. when your worth as a human being has nothing to do with the value you create as a human being. 
Those are two inherently different conversations. Yeah, and it also goes like deeper, right? Because it was so insidious that whatever value I created, when you're trying to reach a target, you can always set a higher target. Yeah. So it was like, like we'd get to number one. Oh, why didn't we sell more books? Oh, we like got this result. Why didn't we get more? So it's just like always that. And I agree with that. It's, it's the pursuit and the process of doing something, not the outcome that actually matters. So talk to me. About, that's what I'm learning. Yeah. Talk to me about creation. I was reading something on your website about when creators create, everyone wins. What does that mean? I fundamentally believe that society is driven by creation. This is an extreme example, but um, in War of Art, Stephen Pressfield talks about how Hitler was first, I think he was in art school and wasn't able to do it or dropped out or something. And he, the quote that uh, Stephen Pressfield says is, he stared at a blank canvas and couldn't do something for, with it. And that's why he did all these other things. And for him, that was easier than like staring at a blank canvas, right? I think we're all meant to and want to create stuff. And there's these stories that block us. So if we can get people to start creating, they become more of themselves. They become more self-actualized. And in that self-actualization, if everyone can be on that path, then everyone in the world wins. When you say creation, can you define it? Because I think that most people think creation is being an artist. or in, And then when you start to look at the definition of an artist, it's like music or or painting, or drawing, or something like that. So what do you define creation to be? I think it's just creating something from nothing, where like some nothing exists, and then you do something, and then something else exists. Okay, so it's just acting. Acting, right. It's like, it's just taking action is, is, is one form of creation. Mm-hmm. And now I'm really curious, actually, what the definition of creation is. I don't know. That's yeah. a great question, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, like everybody's inspired by different things. And inspiration is the seed of creation, right? Like when you feel inspired or when you hear that voice, when you feel it in your heart or you act or even courage, courage mm-hmm. is almost the seed of creation because you're, you're, you're taking a stand to do something that hasn't been done in your life before. Even taking something like a small step to change your life or take a, making a decision to go to the gym, that right there is creation. It's mm-hmm. you acting after you felt the seed to do something. Where do you think that seed comes from? I think there's two ways and it's probably two sides of the same coin, which is one we've talked about, which is like not feeling enough or whatever. And I think the other thing is the other side is like the positive side, maybe where it's like about purpose and love and, and just, yeah, like that positive side of it. So when you say the not feel enough, so you think that creation comes from either a place of lack, which is like fear or, or a place of love. Is that what you're saying? As you say that, I know that's not true. I don't know what the answer is. And I think the answer is probably like neither of those. Yeah. And it's just being completely like what in Buddhism is like equanimity. Where has your creation come from? Like when you've created? Well, at different periods in my life, different things, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, when I first started in entrepreneurship, my creation came from when I read the four hour work week and I got really excited, right? And Mm -hmm. I got excited about this whole new world. And that's when my, my initial even thirst for learning entrepreneurship came from. And then when my mentor died three months before retirement, then I had another spark, which was probably more like anger or fear or kind of like, I don't want to live that life. Mm -hmm. And that inspired me to do more. So it's almost like, I guess, different chapters of life. Creation has come in different forms. 
but it's always been some sort of like a feeling. It's just, I got to do something. I got to do something about this. It's, I got to, I have to act. Mm -hmm. And when I have to act, that's when I think the best things in my life have come. It's never been, yes, I have things where I want to act. Like I live a life now and I, I, I do want to do a lot of things. Like I want to get out there and I want to work out and I want to get out there and I want to be a good person and I want to create awesome content or I want to do this pod. I want to do these things. Right. But I don't know. I think every awesome thing in my life has always come when I just feel like this is something I have to do. So I don't know if that's purpose. I don't know where that seed comes from, but it's always started with, maybe it's a why. Maybe it's like that. I mean, it's just a question. It's like maybe me pursuing that question is, is really what that seed is. I don't know. I don't know. Good. good I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing that you said, which is like you have different periods and it's sometimes like maybe a lack or like anger or whatever. And this is one of the things I realized about creation, which is you can take either negative or positive and turn it into something. Mm. Like Parker Palmer says, unresolved suffering gets expressed as violence in the world. And creation is something where you can take like anger or rage or like negative feelings and turn it into something positive without like harming other people. Wow, that's awesome. And I love that. It's like, that's, I mean, so when I, I used to play sports growing up, and I always remember when I had a bad day, going out on the tennis court and just hitting the hell out of balls or moving or just like playing with that. Mm-hmm. Like I played my best. Like I created something awesome and amazing because I was taking all of that, that energy and just transforming it into something else. So maybe creation is nothing but the transformation of energy, right? Energy can come in the form of momentum. It can you be like, you maybe wanted to change your life and then you doing something about it and creating something new. It's you feeling inspired to have a conversation and you have a tough conversation with someone you love. Mm-hmm. It's you being inspired to be kind to somebody and give something back. It can be you inspired to pick up a hobby, be you inspired to anything, but it's just, it's you feeling something and then doing something with it. And maybe that's all creation is. And if everybody does that, then nobody stays stuck. Now, let me ask you this. What about, where does intention come into all of this? Because I feel like if that's the definition of creation, where you're just constantly creating the second, like it's just all creation, then like are people who don't want to do anything in their lives or are people who are just on autopilot, are they creating too? Yes, they're creating. It's probably just a different intention. But if you're not consciously creating, I guess you're, you're just creating whatever the, the heck society wants you to create or whatever the heck universe wants you to create, but I think are you, but your definition of creation, when you said when creators create, everyone wins, you're referring to conscious creation. Honestly, I think I'm still exploring what conscious creation means. And actually as a principle, this is something I realized recently, which is a lot of times what we do is we're, we're trying to answer this question, right? So we wait till we find the answer till we take an action. Mm. And maybe that applies to creation too. What I've discovered, kind of like looking back in hindsight for a lot of things that I did, is I just actually had to start taking action and then the answer came. Because I'm trying to build a lot of stuff around the words conscious creation. Mm -hmm. And I actually did that. I was sitting, I was like, what does conscious creation mean? And I was trying to answer that. And I realized it's actually not something I'm going to answer now. In the course of creating, in the course of having these conversations, that's where I'll find what what that means. Mm, That's actually really beautiful. I remember... Speaking on that, like when we first started Stay Grounded, Stay Grounded was just a tagline for Java Press. You didn't know what that meant completely, right? It was like, stay grounded in the moments you love. That's literally what we used to say 
in our emails. We used to say that as like a, just, that's all it was. We just wanted to help you stay grounded. Mm-hmm. In the process of creating stuff around stay grounded, then the podcast came, then the community came, then the courses came, then like the meaning and the definitions. I mean, everybody on the podcast, and I'm not going to tell you this, but there's a question you're going to ask at the, I'm going to ask at the end of this episode that you're going to answer. That's also going to define what stay grounded is. So like, you're right. I mean, I didn't know what this was going to be, but I knew I had to do it. For those who don't know what they want to do next, how do they get closer to doing the thing that they're supposed to do? If you already have an idea of what you want to do next, what is the simplest thing you can do to get moving towards that? Do that. If you don't have an idea, just do something. I think we we all have this expectation that like there's a path, like and it starts here and it goes in a straight line up and to the right that we have to follow that like everyone else knows and they're hiding from us. So we're like looking for that path, right? There's no path. Like all of us kind of just go on these zigzags and, and all of that. And, and somewhere along the, lines, along the way, we look back and we're like, oh, okay, this makes sense and we find our way. So it's more just about taking action, I think, instead of trying to think of what the perfect action is. Because I, I spent a lot of time doing that, just waiting for like, oh, what would be the perfect action? Like, what do I need to do next? Instead of just doing something. You know what I've found? If I don't know what I want to do next, the best thing that's always helped me out is just helping someone else. That's a great idea because you take yourself out of the equation. Yeah, like whenever I don't know what I need to do next, I'm just like, who can I help? Whether that's a friend, a family member, a community member, it doesn't matter. It's just how, like, who can I help? And that usually gets me out of the funk and it creates like this, okay, this feels good. And then when I feel good, I feel more inspired. And then I connect more dots or patterns that allow me to see what the next thing I need to do is. And actually, another thing, interesting thing with that is it probably creates a cycle of gratitude because you're helping someone else. Gratitude is a powerful sort of emotion. So, so, so if you're listening, and, and this is something I'm going to experiment with on, on my show, is like breaking the fourth wall. What's the fourth wall? Kind of like, just like how like, you know, like when you're watch, watching a TV show, like the actors will sometimes talk to the audience. Yeah. So if you're listening, if you're stuck, who are maybe five people in your life that you could help with something right now? And you go to them and you ask them, what is something I can help you with? And if that works, let us know if you try that. Mm, I love that. I love the challenge. It doesn't have to be anything big either. It can be something small. You know what I realized actually the other day? How many of my friends that I just haven't kept up with? That's a great thing to text somebody. Hey, I was thinking about you. It's been a while. What are you working on? Is there anything I can help you with? Just sending you a lot of love. Like if I got a text like that from a friend that I haven't talked to in a while, man, I'd feel great. So, so, and if someone's listening, you actually give them the exact script yeah, of what to that, say. Yeah, just send that, guys. Just literally send that. Send that. Send that. I'm people. serious. Like, if I received that from a friend, it would just make me feel really, really, really heartwarmed that somebody was thinking of me. And I think that's something that we don't do enough. Like, you know, a lot of times, especially when you're growing and creating lives and, and doing things, like, it's hard to keep up with old friends. It's hard to keep up with people all the time. It's a lot easier to just lurk and, and see them on social media or kind of just follow in the shadows, but seriously, guys, you know, make an effort to reach out to people in your life. Why, why do you think it's hard? Do you think it's because we have an expectation of either like who we should be or who we should show up as or who they should show up as? I think and then we people, stop ourselves. I think people are scared of being seen starting small, or I think people are really scared of being seen, not where social media or society says 
you need to be. I think, I think people are, I, I think me might sometimes me too. Like I remember sending me that message two days ago and I was like, yep. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Like you're just, I think that's a big thing. So like when you see somebody doing well, you sometimes just think that they don't need help. And most of the time people only show the highlight reels on social media. Right. So the anti highlight reel is not shown. So when you think about somebody and if you're thinking about them, you just send someone random a, a message of love. I don't know. It just goes a long way. I'm actually going to do that more. I used to do that a lot. I used to pick one person each day. I even set myself a challenge to do that earlier in the month and I lasted like a week. I remember who both said that. I, I didn't then, last with that I, too. And then, I, and then I forgot. But it's just so powerful. Just let people know that you're thinking about them. And it doesn't take a lot. It's just, even if I got an emoji from somebody, if I just got like an emoji, like I'd feel good. Maybe that's the stay grounded community, the December challenge. Sure. Send an emoji to someone. Or sure. use the script that you said before. Either way, guys, just message the people you love in your life and let them know that even if you haven't talked to them in a while, you're thinking about them. And I promise you, you will put a smile on someone's face. And it's a beautiful practice. And that, that itself is creation. You created happiness for somebody by just thinking about them, right? And it's acting on that. And it's just beautiful. I think, I think when you just, I don't know, that's something I'm practicing more. I think I'm going to take with me into 2020, which is thinking more about the people in my life and maybe giving them love for whatever they're going through. Thanks for inspiring that, Sachin. I think people are going to do that too. So we might start a movement. I really like that we had no idea what we were going to talk about and we went down this beautiful rabbit hole. I feel like that's where the best things come from. That's maybe the spark of creation. Do, do you almost feel like right now, like there's a part of you that's going, oh, I have to come up with a question or ask a question? Kind of. But I also just love, curiosity is a really, really, really powerful tool for creation. I think it's one of the highest frequencies, like just of just feelings, emotions, when you're curious. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, that's, I think that's why why is such a powerful question. Where does your curiosity come from? Ooh, that's a great question. I think my curiosity comes from just, I know that there are things out there that I don't know that are going to bring me a lot of excitement. And I think that's where my curiosity comes from. Curiosity for me comes from trust in the fact that there's something out there that is going to make me really happy. And I want to know what it is. And I want to ask questions. And I'm not scared. Curiosity for me comes from this knowing or this feeling that there's something better out there. There's something amazing out there. And this world is filled with a lot of beauty and I just want to experience it. If I look at my life, like gratitude, going back to gratitude, mm-hmm. if you are grateful for the life you have today, that means that there is something in your life that you did or asked or some trail of curiosity that you followed that brought you to where you are here today. And so if I want to have things I'm grateful for tomorrow, then I have to just know the fact that there's probably something I haven't asked yet, right? That's going to give me my life tomorrow. So I think that's where curiosity for me comes from, which is just knowing with proof now Mm -hmm. that if I wouldn't have asked certain questions, if I wouldn't have leaned into something I was curious about, five, six years ago, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you. Is that something you always did as a kid? Because one of the things I found is a lot of the things we're good at and like are meant to do are things we were either, and I'll share mine after we answer that, 
either we were always attracted to when we were kids or always just did? So what did I do when I was a kid? I played instruments, played lots of sports. I was an avid reader. So to me, curiosity, actually, what's, what really led curiosity is not necessarily what I want to do, but it's like, who can I be? Like answering that question has really been kind of the seed of curiosity. Because even if you look back to childhood years, it wasn't necessarily what I did that made me curious, like made me me. Mm-hmm. It was the way I did the things I did, right? Like, why was I so excited about this? Why did this resonate with me? Why did this lead? Like, why was I so passionate? Why did I care so much about this? Right? It was always these why questions around how I was showing up. And that's what always led me to curiosity. And I think things that are rooted in that are what really lead you. Because purpose to me is just not necessarily having the things you want to have. Purpose to me is living the life you want to live. Right? Purpose is living with that intention. And in order to live the life you want to live, you have to be the person you want to be. And being curious about that and how you've shown up in different areas of your life to create the circumstances you have today, I think that is really the, the spark that I love about curiosity. Does that make sense? Keep going. I, I, I kind of want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> um, I think one of the most important questions I asked myself in the last year was, or there were two questions. One was, what did I love to do as a kid? Mm-hmm. And what are things that I always wanted to do as a kid that I stopped myself? And for the first one, it was, it all came back to like three things. I mean, if I look at actually everything I do now, it's just a mixture of those. It was painting. So which is like taking a blank canvas, seeing something in your head, and then actually making that happen. Playing with Legos, which is basically putting things in like different ways Mm -hmm. to create something new. And there's an instruction manual of how you can do it, but you don't have to follow. You can like put things together in a different way. And last was, I used to love reading mystery novels. So Hardy Boys, Sherlock Holmes, all of those, which is figuring out puzzles. And I realized anything that I'm doing, which can like combine all those three things, I can just get completely lost in. Let me ask you something. For people listening who may not even have a memory of the things they love to do as kids, or maybe they've buried a lot of some of these hobbies and thoughts because, you know, whatever life gets in the way. How would you recommend somebody begin to, I guess, find the the clues or the patterns that might give them an inkling of what they love to do? I think maybe asking like friends or family. I think an interesting question would be asking family, what are things I got in trouble for? Mm. Because it was probably things you wanted to do that other people were like, oh, you can't do that. That's wrong. You got to stop. Mm. That's a fun one, actually. That's a great question. I might text my mom that (laughs) and just ask her because you're right. You know, maybe the things that we had no regard for reckless abandon, that's a spark. That's, that's curiosity unleashed. Yeah. Like how many kids are told like, don't paint outside the lines or like, they just want to paint. So they find a wall and they start painting because that's what kids do. It's like, oh, you did something wrong. And maybe then they stop painting because they think painting is wrong instead of, oh, it's just because they painted on the wall. Yeah. Wow. That's profound, man. That's got me thinking a lot about why do you think people stop playing in life? Because they're told that things that they're doing as play are wrong because maybe they don't confirm to what society thinks what play is. What is play? I'll give an example. Like I remember actually, it's funny, like kind of like hearing these stories from family now where 
apparently when we were younger, me and my brother would like go to like visit our cousins and we'd take our books with us. And then all the cousins would be playing and we'd just sit there reading. It's like, oh, why are you reading? Why are you being, anti- being antisocial or whatever? It's just what we wanted to do. Can you define play? What does play feel like? Doing something without any regard for the outcome and just doing it for doing it. So fun. If you're having fun with it, it's like it could be a hobby. It could be an act of service. It could be many things. It could just be sitting on your couch and watching The Bachelorette too. It could be. That could be play. So how do you find the intersection of play and purpose? How do you define purpose? Purpose to me is living out your highest calling, right? which is being your best self. A lot of times sitting on a couch watching Bachelorette isn't necessarily purpose-driven. It could be. Unless you have a Bachelorette podcast. Touche. There could be, right? And there's always a creative way to spin this. But I think that's, I guess the, I guess this is more of a comfort versus purpose conversation. Like, you know, sometimes the things we think are quote unquote play, like we enjoy doing, sometimes also keep us trapped from living that full life. So how do you distinguish between play that's keeping you safe because you feel good when you do it and play that truly lights your soul on fire? What I'm thinking of right now is that like concept of Ikigai from... Japanese. From Japan. Yep. And one thing that's really interesting about that is in Japanese, it's like one word. And in the Western world, we really, we need like literally like four circles <laughs> to like explain that. Can um, you explain what the key is? The way I understand that is it's your reason for living. I think the people have probably seen this Venn diagram. It was passion, skill. Do you remember what the rest were? I don't or? remember. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> I don't remember um, for me, what, what I found is it's a combination of things that I can get lost in, things that are valuable to people, which means people will pay for, and things I've, and there it is actually. So the key guy, everybody, is passion, mission, profession, vocation, which is what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and what the world needs. And the middle of that is called the Ikigai, which I guess in this definition would mean play, purpose, work, and service or life or whatever. I think that's actually interesting from the, if we go back to that bachelorette example, you could be really good at watching the bachelorette. You could love it. So that may be something you're passionate about, but it can be a profession because it's not something you're going to get paid for or maybe the, something that the world needs. Right, but that's the thing. I think that most people... Or maybe most people just aren't asking themselves bigger questions. I think it's hard to, this is what I personally sometimes struggle with is like the things that bring me comfort are also the things that don't bring me fulfillment. The things that bring me fulfillment also aren't the things that bring me comfort. The things that bring me joy require sometimes to go through suffering or pain. The things that cause pain always lead to the rain, to the sunny side on the other side of the rainbow, I guess, which is just joy. So like, it's almost like you can't have one without the other. So maybe like, I guess that's my question. Like if somebody has been just playing all the time, can they truly live a fulfilled life? Even though like, well, so let me ask you, ask a question. Like, let's say you're like buying something, right? Yeah. And you're like, how much is it? And I tell you, it's like 10 purple monkeys. What would you say? I would. I don't really know what a purple monkey is. Right, because you have no way to relate it to something. Yeah. And I think that's what like is 
I think part of the human condition is like everything for us is relative, right? So like we know light because we know dark. If we didn't know dark, we wouldn't really know what light is because yeah. you have nothing to compare it to. Yep. So I think in that sense, like think, yeah, you always have those two sides because you can't have one without the other. Yeah. It's almost like you need struggle, but you need play. I think need is a really strong word. I think that's just what it is, right? Like in Buddhism, they, they talk about how like life is suffering. Like there is suffering in life. The objective isn't to get rid of suffering because then you're like fighting a losing battle almost, but it's how do you maybe like deal with that? Or how do you like, and, and this is a very analytical way to think about it. It's like, how do you create a system to deal with that? It's probably not as analytical as that. But the first step is just acceptance. Just accept the fact that this life is play and life is struggle. So you don't need anything because it's already there. Yeah, we're all already here. We're, we are going to go through ups and downs. Where do needs come from, in your opinion? Desire. Okay. Where does desire come from? Needs. <laughs> I think desire comes from expectation. So where do expectations Possibly. come from? Are they learned? Possibly. One thing I really... This was really interesting to me. Um, this is from one of Casey Neistat's video. One of his collaborators got a tattoo, which was happiness equals reality over expectations. And I thought that was really interesting because most of the time what we do to be more happy is change our reality, right? Like do more, get more, be more, all of these different things. And we never really look at what our expectations are. Because if we just maybe lower our expectations, which relates to desire, we can just feel more happy right now. That's true too. Again, where do expectations come from and why do we have such a hard time letting them go? Expectations inherently, I think, are external. So if we're looking for something external, then maybe we're trying to like, there's a, there's a lack that we're trying to fill. Yeah. Okay, so that lack was not something we were born with. The lack was something we inherited from society? Probably. Okay. I guess this goes back to that initial point we made about unlayering. Right? Maybe that's what we're unlayering. We're unlayering expectations that we borrowed from other people in our lives. Right? We're unlayering stories and we're unlayering truths about needs so that we can discover truly the underlying premise of life, which is life is filled with everything you already want. It just requires you to come to a certain level of truth and peace and understanding with who you truly are, not necessarily what other people have defined you to be. Maybe that's where creation starts. Creation is that part of self-discovery. It doesn't matter if you're raising a family or starting a business or do, becoming an artist or going to the gym. Creation is about becoming. Creation is becoming. You become through creation. That's what leads to a fulfilling life at the end. Does that make sense? It doesn't have to, but it does. <laughs> it doesn't have to. <laughs> there you go. That was, that was interesting. I had an expectation and a need to feel like this made sense, even if it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, but that I was also, interesting. But that, I also have that was a, your first question. Yeah, that was my first question. That's where it does came. that make sense? Does that make sense? Is the audience going to be like, are these guys just like riffing on some random stuff? Or? No, we're talking about... You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm asking that question to myself and I know that question doesn't matter. But we ask ourselves these questions, right? Because there's that piece of like us wanting maybe that external validation because that means 
that says something about who we are. What's beautiful about this particular show and what I've always loved is that it's been, you know, a form of curiosity. It's fun seeing where this is going to go. It's fun seeing what questions come up. It's fun exploring and having tough conversations. It's fun leaning into discomfort and it's fun being present. And I think for me, this is play, which is why I care less about things needing to make sense. But at the same time, there's a sense of duty. I want this to make sense, right? To the listeners all over the world. I want this to make sense. I want all of you listening. If this isn't making sense, send me a note and be like, Raj, what the heck are you talking about? Like, I want this to make sense because if this doesn't make sense, then it was just play and creation without purpose. So almost what we're saying, and I think this is getting us closer to the answer is purpose is related to not getting validation from others, but service to others. Yeah. I think when you can play in life and play in a way that helps people think that that's true creation. Mm -hmm. Which goes back to our thing of sending people a message, asking them how you can help them because it's about serving other people. Yeah. And when you serve other people through a sense of joy and excitement, it creates a snowball, an energetic, contagious snowball that inspires other people to create. So I think that's what you mean by when creators create, everyone wins. Because when you truly create, you wake up the creator and everyone else. You allow everyone to shine and be unapologetic and give themselves fully and authentically through the things they believe in and the truths that they uncover about themselves so that they can play and create goodness through their essence, through their being, through their existence. Maybe that's the point, right? If you played too much without thinking about helping people, if you created, right? Like there's been times where I just, like I have my journal, right? And I'll just write stuff in my journal for the sake of writing in my journal. And I'll feel empty. Like if I do that too long, like even if it's cool stuff, it's like, it's fun, it's explorative, but it, it doesn't necessarily reach people and help people. But if I only create to help people without having that sense of play and curiosity and mystery and presence, then I feel resentment. Like I'm not being truthful to myself. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's it. It's, it's the intersection of play and service or curiosity and service. Maybe that's two more direct words. Curiosity and service creates a conscious creator. I like that after saying all of that, you didn't say, does that make sense? It doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. And because you know, it's true. It's the only truth. It's the fun truth. It's, it, and if it feels like the truth, it is, right? Like that's something I've been playing a lot with recently is like when something feels right. And I think that's, mm -hmm. that's a voice, maybe intuition that, that we've sort of doubted for a long time because we've been told not to trust it. But like when something feels right, you know it. Yeah. Like, like it feels right. Like it's like, this is the next thing I need to do. Sometimes it's covered by fear. Sometimes it's covered by unknown uncertainty, but there's always something energizing about truth. Yeah. I call that the knowing and like, yeah, it's like, there's some things where you have need like 10 steps or you're trying to need definitions or whatever. But when you like know something, you just, you just know it. It's, you don't have to describe it. No, it's like, duh. And that's what it feels like. It feels like, yeah, of course. Right? Like, maybe we've always known. Maybe there's been truths that have just been a part of life that we came into this world knowing as babies. Yeah. We didn't know how to express it. We didn't know how to use the tools of being human 
to express it, but maybe that's something that's just part of anatomy that we've known how to be human. We've known how to wield consciousness. We've known how to wield our gifts. We've known this entire time. We just got caught in the mess of being human. Yeah, we get caught in the mess of expectations. And I think you're right. Like we, we always know, like, I think, I think a great example, I always go back to this, back for this is like, let's say you're sitting on a chair, right? Uh, and I'm like, there's a snake over there. You're not going to ask me, what are those 10 steps to get away from the snake? You're just going to get up and jump because yeah. like, you just know it. Yep. And I think most things like that, we just know, we just get trapped by fear or expectations or all these things. And we start looking for these steps or, or this other thing. Because that gives us an excuse to actually not get in the arena and just do it. Yeah. If you acted without fear, you would just create a natural law would force you to create in a direction that helps people. So where's something, if you look at like what you're doing now in your last year, where you have been maybe playing from fear? That's something I've been very conscious about. I don't think I've been creating from fear. That hasn't happened this year. That's actually something I've been very intentional about not allowing. I've been creating in the direction of fear. So if I'm scared of doing something, I'll usually take that as a sign to create. But it's not coming from a place of lack. It's not like I have to do this. There's always been an I want to do this because I enjoy doing this and I love it and it feels like play. But play in the direction of something that terrifies me has been a really interesting way for me to discover who I want to serve and how I want to serve them long term. So what's an example of that? So let's take the Stay Grounded courses. So the first one we launched, right? I was scared to put it out, not because it's not effective, but because I'd be putting myself out and everything I've ever learned on this journey in a way that other people would now get to see. And there were parts of me that maybe I didn't even understand. There were parts of me that I was judging in many ways, right? But when I put it out, a beautiful thing happened, which was... When I shared my story with authentic truth, when I followed that fear, it forced me to ask questions around why I was scared of this in the first place. And when I started asking questions around what I was really afraid of, it allowed me to uncover a deep needed like story that wasn't serving where I wanted to be in five years. So I think that, you know, the course, like launching the course alone we had tons of people go through it and it was an amazing experience. But the process of getting it out there created a massive amount of insecurity. And if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have known that insecurity existed and I wouldn't have been able to do something about it so that I can create from a more wholesome place in the future. And I think that's what I mean. Like I had an insecurity and instead of letting that insecurities keep me stuck, I moved and I launched and I put something out there, I saw the impact that had. And that drove more because the impact is more important than the fear because the fear isn't real. Fear is just false evidence appearing real. It's a story that was borrowed from a family member or a friend or when I was a child. And that is what I've come to realize. The things you are scared of doing the most are the things you should actually be doing. Because on the other side of fear, is a beautiful, lush, green grass that tastes like just deliciousness. It is exhilarating, it is exciting, and it allows you to feel emotions that you don't really know how to feel. And I think that's the point. I think we're supposed to feel that life and that energy and that abundance. And that comes from doing things you're terrified of doing. 
Yeah, another big lesson I take from what you said is before we start, we're asking ourselves these questions. They might not even be the right questions because once we actually take action, we'll uncover or discover things which will make us realize, oh, those weren't the right questions. These are actually the questions that we should be asking because now we know these new stories. You know what? Everybody's doing the best with what they know. Right. Right. If you knew better, you would do better. And so the only way you can know better is to do what you know, Mm -hmm. how you know to do it until you make a mistake and you realize that, oh, wow, I didn't see this part of this and I can do it better next time. And also like let yourself off the hook. If you don't do it or if you make a mistake or all these different things. Oh, yeah. I mean, another thing on failure, no one really cares about failure. Failure as a concept doesn't really mean anything until you give it meaning, right? People are afraid of being seen failing because of a story and a definition of failure that's existed in society, right? Or even the way we were born and raised. If you got an A, you're a winner. If you got an F, you're a loser. Sports were a massive area. Because even me growing up, I mean, my identity was an athlete and a tennis player. And, you know, when I failed, I was a failure, right? So I think a lot of times, but failure to me... What's interesting is in what you just said, as you said, when I failed, I was a failure. That's how I felt. Instead of, and and what it should be is I failed, but it doesn't say anything about who I am as a person. Yeah, that goes back to what I was mentioning. Like, That's a mistake we all made. Who you are as a person, your worth, your self-worth is not the same as the value you create as a human being, mm-hmm. right? But when we're kids, we don't know that. Like when I was a student athlete, I didn't know that. I didn't have the emotional awareness or intelligence or even the guidance to have somebody tell me that. So when I lost, I defined that as, wow, I disappointed my family. I disappointed my teammates. I let everybody down. I'm a failure. And so we pick up these stories early on, but really creation is messy, Creation is like when you're trying to do something you've never done, it's messy. It's filled with lots and lots and lots of just like holes and mistakes because you're doing the, you're doing the best you can with the knowledge you have. So, so for those who are listening, what's something that you want to do where maybe you're telling yourself the story that if I fail at this, I'm a failure. And maybe through this, you can separate that and just do it and know that if you fail, it doesn't say anything about who you are. Mm, love that. Guys, one of the things I've abundantly learned in the last four or something years is that, you know, fail as fast as you can. Because when you fail a lot and you fail often and you make micro failures, you get better at failing. And when you get better at failing, the things that might look like failures to you will start looking like wins to other people. And that's what you see when you see somebody winning all the time, quote unquote. You don't see the millions of failures they did to look like they're winning all the time. You just see the wins, but that's how you get to that point. You just make as many mistakes as you can, consciously and intentionally. You don't make stupid mistakes. You learn. You learn from people who have made mistakes before you, and you learn how to make mistakes. But you never stop creating. Because creation, even if you're creating and you mess up, it's still creation. Like a painting. You may mess up a painting, but some of those paintings sell for millions of dollars. It's, and that's such a weird concept that we say those words together, mess up a painting. Right. Like, like who's making those rules? Who's what making it be? No, you can't, right? Mess up a, a, an artist, mess up, a, mess up anything. Like right. you cannot 
mess it up because it didn't exist in the first place. Yeah, because we, we have an expectation of what it should be and that's where the messing up comes from. Yes. And so, but if you just remove the expectations and you just create, you create from a beautiful place. And, and something I'm learning now, I think a beautiful thing happens too, which is other people show up to help. And one thing I'm learning now is that if you have something that you think is like a negative, you can completely reframe it and like it will actually like draw people to you. Because one of the things I believe is that like everybody else wants to be a hero in someone's story. So an example of that is like, and it's interesting because you sent me that message two days ago where I was sort of getting in my head about like creating this podcast and really it was coming from, well, I've done this other stuff and what, will this like look small compared to that, right? So I was like, how do I turn that? So I just ran online today and posted. I'm like, hey, I'm starting a podcast. I don't have a big list. And that's what Apple cares about. Would love to like get support from people who want to help. And then all of these people showed up and they're like, yeah, I want to help. If you're thinking you don't have something, just say it out loud because in that, people will see that and want to help you. Yeah, that's a tough thing for people to do. Ask for help. I'll tell you this, guys. One thing I've realized about help, and we've actually talked about this, but think about how you feel when you help somebody. You feel amazing. You feel like the top of the world when you have the opportunity to help someone. When you deprive someone else of helping you, you are depriving them of feeling that good about helping you. So don't be an ass. Let your friends help you. Ask, give help, be abundant with it. Just go create. <laughs> the question would be, what's something that you need help with? And you can message five friends asking for help. That's a good question. So in addition to sending one love note to a friend, think about one thing you can ask a friend for help for and send that text out. I think that's a great practice for all of you. Give me the smallest thing. But these are the conversations we need to start having with ourselves. If you really want to live a full, abundant, just beautiful life, you do it with people. People are a part of that. So give help, get help, play, serve, and somewhere in all of that, create a lot of meaning and fulfillment in just who you are and how you're showing up every day. Sajit, this, this has been a lot of fun, dude. I'm glad we finally got a mic on this to uh, record one of our rabbit hole conversations. Talk to the audience about your show, what's coming up for you and how we can support you. I've had this amazing journey over the last 10 years of working with a lot of well-known creators. And now I'm on a journey to create myself. And part of that is like bringing them on and like having these kinds of conversations. So we're starting with like performance coaches and authors and musicians. And just, I'm now actually starting to see like every episode as a little art piece. So making it different. So you can check that out at creators.show. Beautiful. Well, everybody will make those show notes uh, or make those links available in the show notes. Sacha, I got one last question for you, man. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? I'm not realizing it probably actually came from like the piece of validation, but in this conversation, I'm realizing it was actually always about service, which is knowing that I'm helping others because I know if I'm always doing that, everything else takes care of itself. Mm. But you don't need to help others. Yeah, it's coming from a place of service and love instead of like, oh, I need to do it so I get this validation and feel good about myself. Got you. Dude, service is is freedom. Literally the ultimate mood buster. That and gratitude. Both secret codes. Such a man. I'm so grateful we got to do this. 
Um, but everybody, that is a wrap for this unconventional episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, Sachit. And from us, stay grounded. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.